switch gears a little bit here. So just maybe talk about some more personal stuff. So along the lines of your education, all this is interpersonal stuff. I'm curious how your, your own self-care stuff blends in with this because many times when we say work-life balance, like those are always two separate things. We know that it's intertwined to who we are as a whole person. So I want to just see like some of your insights. You've experienced a heavy academic load and shift work here and there. You start noticing it starts taking a toll on your body and your psychological health. And then imagine you, you, know, you go into work kind of drained you might not have the most positive interactions with somebody who may be interpreting as being extra whiny or whatever, where some days when you're fully rested, you're super compassionate. You're right there with them. You kind of let it roll off. You can do your own thing. Oh, yeah. We talk about prevention from musculoskeletal stuff, but what about prevention from burnout? So I want to back up. So I want to kind of answer this in parts from how I think you asked the question. So first, therapy is huge. I'm a huge advocate for seeing a therapist in whatever capacity that means to you. So that's something Um, you've been doing pretty actively. Oh, yeah, regularly. And I think that that's huge, especially with just I don't realize how much work stresses me out sometimes. And work isn't even the most stressful part of my life, but it just adds it just sometimes that's just what sets me over the edge. So being able to really take the time to focus on my own mental health and my personal things aside from work through therapy is huge for me. I think that's definitely positively affected my family and friendship relationships as well. So I think therapy is huge. Right now you say it's doing like talk therapy, direct counseling. Yeah, which is all I need at this point. Just being able to talk freely is fantastic get that professional perspective too and just being told like all right kind of going off the deep end here and hearing it from a professional really does just make it kind of sink in a little bit more for me but it's also just helped me learn strategies to visualize the things that I'm going through which bring me back to work and I, I take those things into work with me with working with residents where one might be extra whiny that day it ta- I've had to walk out of rooms. I've had to leave them and say, I'll be, be right back. I'll put them in a safe position and walk out of the room and take a second and breathe because it can be a lot to deal with residents. And then especially working nights, sometimes I don't sleep the best. Sometimes I'm extra tired. Sometimes I had school and, and didn't get to sleep, whatever the case is. So it's just taking time to, to breathe and separate yourself. And therapy taught me that specifically. But there's one technique or or visualization aid that she gave me where it's just visualizing a line with a with two endpoints like a number line almost and i was constantly living at the top of that number line with my emotions i was just always on high it's like a zero to ten or something yeah but i needed something on on paper to for me i need things to visualize and when i could draw that on a piece of paper and be like scribbling on the top and be like i'm up here i'm up here i need to be at least in the middle or or down there that has really helped me be able to like i do that even in my head now especially at work or in in situations where i get stressed out whatever the case is i get very stressed out and overwhelmed easily and i can just be like i'm up here i'm way up here and i gotta get down yeah and that's a, a good example of like taking some of those tools 
But even bringing it, yeah, back to work again, I do that often. But even with my residents, like, okay, they're having a time right now. They're living up here. How are we going to bring them back down to here? How, let's, let's figure this out. I have one resident who had a stroke and she's, her speech talks very slow and then gets very upset. So then she starts to cry and then you can't understand. It's just very sad and it breaks my heart. And sometimes I've had to just walk away for a minute and, and try and think about other strategies that I can go back and try this again because we're not getting anywhere this first time, but it's not her fault. It's not my fault. It, it could get really overwhelming and that's the point where that's where it goes back to if you don't have the compassion or care to be a CNA then it's not going to work for you because that's when you lose it that's when you get frustrated and that's when people that's when you hear the horror stories of old people getting beat up and abused because there's just that lack in understanding and communication skills sometimes you need a break sometimes you're not going to solve it right then and there that makes sense, And that man. carries into all my personal relationships, too. Sometimes you have to walk away for a night. And it doesn't mean we're never going to talk again or we hate each other or we just not are, are not at an understanding right now. Okay, we just need to walk away. But I'm also like, what is it? The pot calling the kettle black or whatever that saying is. Like, I say this now, but I struggle <laughs> with this a lot. And that, that's what all of a this lot. stuff is, is that recognizing we all have the same tendencies. Yeah. Part of it is recognizing some of these are automatic programs for all humans right. other times depending on our background and brain chemistry all these different factors we, we lean one way or the other and we have different strengths also heard you talk often about living in fight or flight and i've been in a constant state of that up until recently for a long time so coming out of that is something that i've had to talk heavily about in therapy because you don't prepare for that you're living in this constant state of, of being up there and being on go and, and feeling the need to constantly either defend yourself or whatever the case is. It's, it's hard to come back down from that and to then live a normal and to, to try and just be on a normal level all the time. And I severely underestimated that. I was at a point where I, I was feeling great and confident and ready to take that on. And then it happens and I've been just having to deal with those up and downs every day as they come because they're they're like you you can't prepare for it yeah that's a great way to look at it but it's good to come it's it's necessary and great to come out of yeah very thankful to be going through those up and downs because it's just the journey yeah and that's gonna get me to where i want to be i don't want to live in that constant fight or flight though it, it is easy at times and we look at it too and we've talked about this in different aspects but the fight or flight or the sympathetic nervous system and then your rest and digest or mm -hmm. your parasympathetic it's more like a seesaw and your oh. body needs both of these and it's in a constant thing of trying to find homeostasis yeah. so you're getting to a spot where you're not necessarily choosing to be in this fight or flight no. but over time our emotions and thoughts and different reactions to things that we're not necessarily paying attention to tilts these this seesaw in one way or the other mm -hmm. so i think a lot of times when we talk about this people might think that it's more of like a mood or something like i feel stressed out there could be times where after weeks or months of a lot of kind of go 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 behavior 
we can tilt towards more fight or flight, not necessarily knowing it. And then when we're in a relaxed state, we feel like, all right, I'm finally calm. Yeah. But your body's saying otherwise. Right. And you can't physically calm. It's not a switch like usually, that. Usually for me, it's it's the opposite, I want to say. Like mentally, I can never slow down. Physically, my body gets so tired sometimes from being on just go, 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 go that I physically can't do it anymore. But my brain can't stop and then that's usually when i have to focus heavily on either meditation or getting myself back to a a calm state because that's when it all goes haywire yeah and then when we get in that more kind of exhausted state physically mentally that the mood swings and emotions are kind of more dramatic oh yeah and super intense and again they're semi uncontrollable dude like it's just coming up as a response to however long of stress so again we know we're not choosing to do these things but i think like you said just taking a step back and realizing that i got to find what tools work for me right i love that and you know we repeat a lot of this stuff on this podcast but it's something that i'm very interested in i'm trying to work on myself and just as yourself being in a healthcare position the old thing of you can't help anybody if you're not taking care of yourself right it's it's straightforward everybody gets that in one way or another but very commonly we're our own worst patients Mm -hmm. we we can give all the advice and recommendations and then don't follow it so what would i tell myself or treat yourself as someone you're responsible to take care of that's where i come into not necessarily the the physical aspect for myself because i'm not the best example i'll admit that to that i set for my residents but for the mental aspect especially like I really do try to work with them more than I either have in the past or that I've seen other CNAs or other healthcare professionals work or take the time to work and talk with them because it's so important even people think once you get a dementia diagnosis too or you reach a certain age that it's just like you're just a walking like corpse at that point you are still a human and they are still humans and they should be treated that way they should still be treated like why can't we have a conversation even if it doesn't make sense? Who cares? You're talking about how um, certain patients develop maybe a slower speech pattern and it can be kind of difficult. Or for just talk nonsense. Yeah, but that's okay. We can talk nonsense. And you, your body language, your, your facial expressions can still show compassion. Right. I've been like, oh my God, your shirt is pink. And the, the excitement that comes over them. You'd think they just won the lottery. They're mirroring your exactly. energy. Exactly. So then if I'm going to be a miserable little girl to them, they're going to probably be a miserable old lady back to me. Right. And it's not surprising why. No. They have way more history behind some of their, you know, emotional inertia than you would be able to assess. So like Also, you I've been doing more research into what my dementia residents and stuff did for careers. And... It's all, we had, we have a Supreme Court judge there, lawyers, one was an engineer for the submarines at Electric Boat, like all these careers that are very intense and that just makes, like goes to show too, how overworking yourself for your entire life does that and can create your your body and your brain just shuts off at one point and it, it's just it's too much yeah now there's a lot more research about this stuff coming out for 
cognitive decline that is associated with aerobic exercise yeah. specifically. Yeah. It's all about blood flow to the brain. A lot of times I think that maybe people think it's about staying mentally active with something engaging and challenging, engineering, and, and, yeah. and yeah, later in life brain games and playing chess, whatever. Those are important tasks, but it's really all about increased blood flow to the brain. We talk mm-hmm. about all the tiny little capillaries that are in the brain that don't necessarily get stimulated unless you get your heart rate and breathing rate up, you know, in a safe, progressive way. But it makes sense that in some of these super demanding careers, you don't really have you or you don't create the time to take care of your physical fitness. Yep. And sure, it's not necessarily required for your job. We don't need to have a power lifter that's also a lawyer. Right. They exist, but that's a, a whole <laughs> different thing. So, you, you know, you're heavy into the books and I'd imagine like the literature for, for law probably goes on forever. That's constantly evolving. Um, so it might not be very intuitive for every single person to think like along the way for my lawyer career to, to maintain my peak mental capacity. I have to treat the body, you know, the, the thing that's like, it's all about the brain really being able to consider that this isn't just about reading and staying active like that, that works for a little bit, but there's also predictable, measurable declines that happen decade by decade. So especially when we start getting older, starting with anything, walking is great, but we, we know, I just want to retouch on there's physical activity guidelines to maintain health that's been established by the CDC, World Health Organization, American College of Sports Medicine. All these organizations work together. Generally, 150 minutes to about 300 minutes a week of moderate intensity aerobic exercise. So a vigorous walk, something like that. So we look at weekly, that's, you know, it could be as much as 20 or 30 minutes a day or, you know, longer sessions. 75 to 150 minutes of like vigorous activity or a combination of both and then for muscle strengthening every major muscle group at least twice a week just to maintain health and like we were talking about in our previous episode here there's a lot of day-to-day activities that we forget how important it is to be able to maintain our just basic strength to prevent injury just to carry on with day-to-day stuff i know with the amount of education that lawyers and engineers are getting along the way they're, they're not specializing in exercise science and sports medicine so I don't expect them to be able to do that along the way in elementary school through high school for, for me there wasn't a ton of this education right it's like if you're not going to be an athlete don't worry about it right, right and right. you know it's not saying that everybody needs to do heavy barbell training light resistance bands yoga stretching all of these things are important but getting some walking in um, Brandy has a little small uh, um, pedals underneath her, her desk that we can just get some light movement in. And this isn't necessarily even stimulating like a certain peak heart rate. This is just to do light little contractions in the muscles that help move blood flow around, especially in the lower limbs. So that's just a little aside just to remind that no matter what your career field is, we have to take time for you know nutrition and exercise and it doesn't have to be this major focus or barrier in your life. There's different ways to make it engaging. Sometimes we're going to have to force ourselves through it. But when you put it in the context of the things that I love are going to be better, whether that's career, friends, and family, because of this, then it's like, I, for me, the, the effort of getting through that isn't as bad because I'm doing this for other people. I'm doing this for my career. Yeah. I'm doing this for the patients. And there's so many different ways, too, that I've learned 
ways to exercise is like rollerblading huge for me love it as opposed to walking i hate just walking it's so boring yeah, to me. It is. <laughs> i hate running I, I i don't like it again so boring I wouldn't recommend anybody to just start running. Like you definitely need a certain amount of like strength and yeah. the experience with that. So. But and don't have never liked it. Like even when I had to do it for softball, that was the worst. I would rather do a thousand push up. Well, yeah. could never do that. But you know what I mean? Like I would rather do all the push ups, all the that type of stuff before running. Ugh. But rollerblading so much more fun for me. Just finding things to do. I'll go for a walk out in like a little hike as opposed to going on a bike path you know what i mean so finding alternatives to still doing things where or even i'll run and with a football before i'll just run so throw a football with me for an hour and i'm still gonna be running back and i'll you know what i mean so it's finding ways to get the exercise that don't feel like exercise that's what i have to do for me that's i perfect. have to trick myself that's a good way to look at it i don't want to exercise we, we fling <laughs> the frisbee around in a park or something and it, yes. it's more engaging and you're right. getting a slight little increase in heart rate but it's fun the the hikes in nature is a great example of like this changes the whole thing from just walking on the side of the road or, or a bike yeah anything sometimes you know depending on your setting and you know people that travel go to hotels like you might have to use a treadmill if you want to right. kind of attain these certain goals but if if it's available certain parks or, or you know nature trails yeah. just you just get that different energy and right you get to at least along with your the physical aspect you're getting that kind of mental decompression yeah. you can kind of allow things like your thoughts to just come rather than we spend a lot of time like resisting certain things and mm -hmm. i know i have certain attention problems sometimes of like where where to look at where do you put your energy and time sometimes that break from whether it's writing a paper or, you know, doing research for, for your job, taking a break from that, getting some breathing exercises or some fresh air, a little bit of sunshine, all of this stuff reinvigorates you and makes the next task a little bit more fun, but you're right. more efficient. Yep. I want to just take a quick second to recommend for some of the listeners that might not be familiar. There's um, a podcast by Dr. Andrew Huberman, the Huberman Lab, who has amazing content and a great way to kind of summarize some of these exercise and fitness modalities and routines into ways that are very acceptable and explained in a way where it makes it more fun and kind of removes that daunting task of starting something that might seem unattainable. So um, yeah, Huberman Lab is an awesome thing to check out. I think he does a much better job of consolidating some of this stuff than we have time for today. And, you know, he has different training, so um, something cool to check out. Um, with that, I think, you know, I won't keep you too much longer, but I wanted to, you know, you talked a little bit about initiating therapy and some of the benefits from that. You also have, I know we have some experience with seeing some of our elder family members go through like physical therapy and, and occupational therapy and stuff like that. If we could go back in time, like how we would explain this in a way that could maybe put her in a better spot. No, but I mean, she she's just the, I think the best example because she's had so many health issues in recent years and and has had to go through so many different um healthcare settings in particular so, yeah, she's been through rehabs she's been through nursing homes she's been through hospitals she's been through surgeries she's been through helicopter rides and ambulance rides from hospitals 
like you know what i mean so and you you, you over the years like you could see the change in quality of life and yes. like we said earlier like there's a certain amount of this decline that's predictable but it's also we can you know slow that down a little bit and what we talk about like lengthening our health span or our time of being alive in a relatively disease and injury free state like we can try to lengthen that a little bit it's not all about lengthening your, your lifespan no and i i do think that a lot that i see with with older people in general meme my, my grandmother in particular is once it starts to go downhill it's really hard it to seems rapid yeah right? and it's really hard to to counter that at that point and it's that's when i think again therapy for older adults needs to be way more talked about than it is i don't know almost any older adult going to see a therapist like i mean 70s 80s they should still equally be be heard and talked to and and so especially in meme's situation where she's still mentally with it but she has all of these health ailments and and issues that are just taking down her mental state yeah and you talked about it sometimes it's it's more difficult to communicate with her because there's certain days where you know you can see her kind of struggling to get the sentence out where she knows what she wants to say but then like that that speech connection just isn't there so yeah she had a stroke so that um yeah that the speech is is huge it's more just the frustration it's not my lack of patience it's just watching her frustration to not being able to just communicate how Meme is always communicated. And it, it's... This is like p part of the, the process. But she never gives up. Yeah, she's had, she's been super involved in your life since the day oh, you God. guys were born, dude. And she, she that, that'll never fail. Yeah. That'll never stop. So, you know, we, we try to use some of this as, as like, you know, take her wisdom and, and mm -hmm. all of that. But also we're trying to learn from each other's mistakes and generations oh, yeah. of like, how, how can we do this a little bit better? It's not to say that like things are right or wrong with access to information and the explosion of the internet and social media there's so much easy ways for stuff to be exchanged and communicated where today it's almost just a flood of information we oh, have yeah. to it's overwhelming yeah block some of it out yeah um, a lot of um our elders didn't necessarily have that access to information without going to a library or owning this like collection of encyclopedias mm -hmm. that was a thing like, i remember in like right dude yeah so in the early 90s, mid 90s, like we used to have to borrow encyclopedias and do research that way. And I remember getting, borrowing our first word processor to type things and actually once or twice using a, a, a typewriter, you know, like that's unheard of now. Those are like antiques and cool collective items. But look at like, now we can just yell into our phone and dictate stuff and mm -hmm. it's, it's very easy to do that. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're getting smarter, more intelligent or more efficient at this stuff. It, Sometimes I think I find it has the opposite effect on me. I'm flooded by options for entertainment, all these different places to put our attention. So it's hard to say that, you know, we're not necessarily better off, but through these types of communications, we can kind of get that reflection of ourselves and other people, get kind of refined down and say like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of operating off of some of these patterns that I developed that aren't helpful anymore and are, are more a hindrance to it. So I, some of that kind of relates to what you're talking about mm -hmm. with therapy and that which is kind of getting a different perspective on, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. I know that sometimes it feels like this is part of your identity. Mm -hmm. I, I feel this way all the time. And then I'll take an hour or the next day and get to go through things 
and right. say like, oh, all right, th that was definitely an error I made. Yeah. How am I going to recognize this in the future? At least shorten the gap of that kind of realizing that you can do better. Right. We all have well, reactions. Well, that's what's super important for me, and especially with my therapy situation, is that I was seeing her a lot more often than I am now, and now it's more just a, like, I can do a lot of the work on my own, but I it's more just like a check-in and a, like a validation almost that we're like I'm making progress and for me that's huge I like talking to her especially because within this last month I haven't seen her in a month and I see her tomorrow within this last month there's been countless times where I'm like therapy situation therapy situation and just saying that to myself automatically takes me down 10 notches from where I was two seconds before that and just having that outlet almost like without even having an outlet because she's not there she's yeah. not constantly there but it's just the idea of just knowing that this is something we talked about this is we're going down this path we're heading this way this is the this is when you stop it this is when it changes and it's, I still don't do it all the time because it's very hard like I said but it's just, it gets easier every time and it gets better every time so yeah I love to hear that man and that's just more reassuring for me too that like okay we're all working on this stuff and we, we can get better oh yeah that's what and it's there's about no, so a lot of people don't need therapy some people don't need that formal outlet they can talk internally or they have somebody that can do that and that is perfectly fine i just think it's important to get those things out to just vocalize it even just saying it to yourself out loud saying something out loud to yourself can make a huge difference I, have a, I was listening to this audiobook by um, this dude, David Goggins. He's an ex-Navy SEAL, and he's a writer, podcaster, speaker now. But he talks about, like, when he was doing a lot of intense physical training and stuff, that th he has the same blocks as most of us of, like, not wanting to do it. He, he said he would sit down and just record himself speaking out loud about all the reasons why he doesn't want to do it and maybe just kind of getting that all off his chest and would play it back. And you hear how dumb and yeah, silly Yeah, and then you're just you kind sound. of like, if this was another yep. person, I wouldn't let them kind of take that way out and you know physical training and exercise is a different thing that is you know takes a certain um spot to get to to know that you can push through it but that's just the same type of thing of like if i'm having a super emotional time with interpersonal relationships or even just the dialogue in myself saying that stuff out loud kind of makes it a little bit more real in the sense it of it does and it either makes it make sense or it makes it sound stupid and Either way, then you can go from there. Like, if, if I say it out loud to myself and I'm like, you know, I still have a point. Like, I still feel this way. Then maybe we have something to talk about. Maybe. Because I probably still don't have a point half the time. Yeah, man. It's but an ongoing thing. It is. and it, But it's also just like some things I say right off, like, I'm in my head. I'm mad, mad, mad. And I say it out loud. And I'm like, oh, my God. That was the stupidest thing I've ever said. And that makes absolutely no sense. So we're not going to even... Well, let's dial it back a little bit. Yeah, go down that route. So I know, like, you know, you like live music. I, I like live music, a lot of concerts and stuff like that. What, what are some other things you're doing these days to, for just kind of relaxation and recreation? I know very busy with classes and moving forward in this nursing program. But, you know, we talk about other, like, comedy shows or entertainment. We talk about that show Letterkenny. 
<laughs> um, we we got to get you watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's I know. Such I a know. classic that me and Brandy are biased, but that's one of the best comedy shows of all time. I know. I've heard a lot about it, and I've seen bits and pieces. I have been forced to watch a couple episodes with you here and there, but I wasn't keen on it enough to know what I was watching. But So I also have gotten into much... Like, I could never really tolerate. It took me a long time to watch The Office. It took me a long time to watch New Girl. To be able to, like, relate and understand those types of comedies. And, and that it took me a while to get there. Because I didn't find them funny for a long time. And now I don't know what I was ever thinking. Because some of those shows are like... But Letterkenny, man. That, that show is so underestimated. And it takes a minute to, to warm up to it. It's very... It's weird. It's not something that you... I didn't know what the heck I was getting myself into when I started watching it. It was very weird, but oh my god, that I've never cried. There's certain parts of the like certain episodes, man, where it's just some of the funniest stuff ever. And I'd say that you know maybe from that show New Girl or Sunny, it's oh the same my thing. Gosh. But New Girl. A- as we know, man, it's just it's a, a character development. Yes. So the writers are kind of creating these different personality pieces that mm-hmm. most of us share, but then they either exaggerate them to kind of highlight that part of them or oh, like yeah. we know that they're embellishing and overindulging in some of this and that's what makes it even funnier sometimes though. yeah dude exactly it's the most extreme that and then yeah. you're like oh there's a there's that piece of me that does that and like you just said but about then you also think that there is definitely somebody out there that acts that way 100 percent. so yeah. it's just like this is still real in a sense like holy crap <laughs> i think it's a similar thing to what we just said about like saying things out loud and hearing that reflection when we can see these character traits or personalities in other people yeah you not only relate but other times you're like you know either more drawn towards or away from characters and that could be a representation of what i need to work on in in real life oh, and yeah. you know well, i'm not making the connection between therapy and mental health and watching comedy shows but sometimes you can definitely blend those together oh, yeah, definitely it turns into a more mindful thing of oh man like I, I that character is pretty obnoxious like there's pieces of me that do that maybe we need to reflect a little bit here yeah how could i yeah. you know incorporate that into a healthier way the quotes and like the memes and stuff that i've seen from letter kenny it's just i have to watch it again because it's been a few months now and i'm i need a laugh like that yeah, we're going to kind of wrap this one up here, man, but I definitely appreciate your time. This was fun. Yeah. New experience for me. Definitely. I'm, I'm glad, you know, we got to talk a little about your professional career and then where you're headed with that. And then, you know, I know it's always tough tur- turning on or I should say touching on more psychological mental health stuff. But again, we're trying to create a safe environment here. This is just as much beneficial for me. And hopefully you got some benefit oh, from yeah, it. Definitely. I'm a huge advocate of talking about mental a lot of people don't like to talk about it and there is a stigma behind it but it's super important and everybody's struggling with something so let's just all try and be a little nicer yeah that's a it's a good it's a good way to end it right there man love each other yeah we, we get caught up in our our own stories and being defensive and kind of forgetting like well the whole point of this is to love and, and share and support one another so Thanks again for your time, and I look forward to doing this again. Yeah, we, we definitely will. Hell yeah. Love you, kid. Love you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dan's Den. Don't forget to follow and turn on notifications so you don't miss our latest releases. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it. Also, check out our other episodes. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah.